This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Forget everything you know about the Devil's Kettle. Whatever scientific explanation you have heard is simply a lie. There's a reason why that water is not resurfacing after falling into the kettle. But I'm pretty sure no one but me has lived to tell the tale. It's going straight to hell and back to claim whoever it wants to claim. When I was a kid, we used to go there as often as we wanted. I could even go swimming at the bottom of the waterfall. Well, not exactly right under the waterfall because it was dangerous and all, but close enough to feel the bubbles on my skin. When I became a teen, I had a nice makeout spot near the waterfall. But it changed somehow. The Devil's Kettle garnered more attention. We never really cared where the water was going. The split was there, and, well, that was that. But scientists, geologists, water current specialists, well, they all started to come along and got the world interested in it. The more they said they had no idea where the water was going, the more people came along, and the more the place changed. It used to be only a few visitors and a few locals, with more than enough time between the visits for the place to rest. I'm saying it like that, and I didn't realize as a kid, but this place was magical. It was different from anywhere in the world. It felt alive to me, and I only started to realize it as the place started to get angry. People started throwing stuff in the kettle and hoping to find it elsewhere. Ping pong balls and various small objects were thrown carelessly in the water and without respect for the importance of this place. I eventually became an adult and had to move to another state from my college. I admit, in the meantime, well, I completely forgot about this place. But now that I think about it, I remember not feeling so good the last time I visited. Well, it was the time before the last. You know what I mean? When I left my hometown to go study, I didn't exactly say goodbye to the devil's kettle because I expected it to stay the same and that I could see it again someday. And I did. But God, at what price? Anyway, by the time I was 28, I hadn't visited in about 10 years. I was in a relationship with a woman who loved sports, swimming, and nature as much as I did. While we were climbing somewhere in Canada, we met another very nice couple and decided to go on a... Well, special trip with them. I'm not going to go too deep into the details, but we were going to swing with them, while also enjoying the wilderness of Minnesota and the beauty of the Devil's Kettle. In my memories, this place was absolutely gorgeous. But, call that the imagination of a nature-starved child, I might have made it more beautiful than it was, or maybe it was nostalgia that grabbed me by the metaphorical heartstrings. 
Either way, we all agreed for a two-day exclusive trip into the forest surrounding the Devil's Kettle. We were going to park our car at my parents' house, then bike our way into the forest, where we would carefully hide them. I was convinced I still knew the way. And I did. After two hours of biking, going up and down the road leading to the Magni State Park, we finally reached our destination. We locked our bikes together by a chain, way past the edge of the forest, so that the bikes wouldn't be visible by cars, and then we made our way to the old trail. Myself and my pa used to take when we wanted to see the devil's kettle up close. It was about half an hour's walk, and I knew we would pass close to a few great spots for camping on our way. As nice as the Devil's Kettle waterfall was, we didn't really want to sleep right by them. The humidity always attracted animals and insects, and I didn't want to be turned into a mosquito buffet during the weekend. Especially since we were going to, well, uh, experiment a lot. So the first day, after the bike ride and walk into the forest, we decided against going to see the Devil's Kettle. We decided to establish our camping first, clear some space for a fire, and, you know, just get to know each other a little bit better. After a few bottles of wine, and with the romantic fire crackling in front of us, let's just say that we got to know each other pretty intimately. It was the ultimate experience for myself and my wife, and I was lucky that she agreed to it. We were pretty enthusiastic about the whole trip. But... Something strange happened when we went to bed that night. We could hear the waterfalls in the distance, but instead of just the normal sound of swirling water, we heard something else. It was like a long complaint. Kathy, my wife, even joked about whales in the waterfall, just because of how it sounded. But to me, it didn't sound like a whale. It sounded like someone was wailing in the waterfall, begging for help unintelligibly. After an intense night like we had, with all the wine and euphoria, it seemed strange to me that the first thing that would come to my mind while hearing that sound was something this terrifying. I had troubles falling asleep, so did Kathy, who eventually spooned with me and trembled. When I asked if she was alright, she looked up to me and said no. The more we tried to sleep, the louder the sound seemed. By the time I fell asleep because of exhaustion, the sound was right into my ears and I could feel it in my guts. I was sympathizing with whatever it was that made such a heart-wrenching sound near the waterfall. We woke up very late the next day. So did Jenny and Max. We had a nice breakfast and cleaned up around our tents to make sure we wouldn't attract any animals. We talked about the noise during the night, but Jenny and Max looked at us weirdly, so we dropped the subject. Plus, with how we gotten to know each other in the previous night, we weren't too sure where we stood. We had a lot of fun, but they seemed a bit distant in the morning. Maybe we didn't meet their expectations, but that still didn't explain why they dismissed the subject, or said that they didn't hear anything. It couldn't be only us. 
The sound was so loud it felt like the whole forest was alive. Anyway, well, Kathy and I were a little miffed, but we decided to let it go. I mean, after all, it was beautiful outside today. The sound of the waterfall, the normal one, in the distance was very soothing too. We decided to relax a little after lunch, and the four of us sat down to decide for today's plans. We could either walk along the Brule River until we were upstream and far from the waterfall current for a swim, or we could hike down the waterfall's path to swim at the bottom. They asked me what was best. Being the nostalgic kid that I was, I said that the bottom was the best spot. The water was a lot warmer there for some reason, I couldn't explain. I'm no geologist or expert in waterfalls, so I had no idea why it would be warmer. My guess was that since the bottom of the waterfall was more exposed to the sun, and it was smaller in width and the size of the rest of the river, the water there got warmer. Again though, this was the explanation of a guy who had no idea about what he was talking about. We packed a little lunch. We put on our hiking shoes and started trekking toward our destination. We were about, I don't know, five or seven minutes away from the waterfall, and by the time we reached the top of it, everyone's shirt was stuck to their skin. It was a boiling hot day. It had been somewhere around 90 degrees. Add to that the proximity of the waterfall and the humidity, and you get a solid 95, 96. So, where does the water go? Max asked me as he pointed toward the kettle, and I flashed him a grin. Probably to hell. Heck if I know. We all laughed at the thought of this waterfall dripping into Satan's territory, and we stayed there for a few minutes to marvel at the way the water divided. There was a lot of trash around the place, which suggested a good number of visitors. I felt my heart tighten at the sight of McDonald's empty carton, some bushes not too far. This place used to be a little bit of paradise, but now it looked like a badly maintained public park. Hey, what are you doing? I heard Kathy's voice, and my eyes wandered from the abandoned McDonald cup to her, then Max and Jenny. Jenny's pout showed her displeasure while Max's arrogant posture suggested he was the devil in the equation. What? It's just a tiny plastic wrap. Besides, the devil's got it already. He snorted and I heard Kathy say something about polluting and how this place was important to me. I felt a burst of love in my heart again for her. I told Max to please not trash the place more than it already was. Now, even if that place wasn't important to me, he shouldn't trash anywhere anyway. You can't say you love nature and just throw garbage wherever you want. See, that's not how it works. Anyway, it seemed like our teams were drifting further apart, but at this point, I already got what I wanted from them, and so did Kathy, so I was sure she was taking it as lightly as I was. A shame, though. They did seem lovely at first. I didn't know why they had that kind of behavior inside them. Seems like just like the devil's kettle, things could change. And fast. If it took years for this place to get nasty, it only took a few hours for them.
In any case, we started trekking down the old path and saw a few caution signs. No swimming signs also littered the place, but we ignored them all. The closer we got to the bottom, the warmer the air around us. It was like the very air at the bottom of the devil's kettle was being heated up by the water. It became a bit harder to breathe, just like in a sauna. But it was also kind of nice, and I couldn't wait to soak in it. But the water too had changed from my memories. If it used to be clear and beautiful, today it looked mucky, brown, and dirty. It smelled weird too, as if it had filled with algae. Oh, what beautiful water, Max said and Jenny added something about it being more beautiful than a lagoon they visited in Oregon. I was flabbergasted because they said it so enthusiastically. I couldn't tell if they were telling the truth or just being sarcastic. If they were sarcastic, they were hiding it very well. My wife and I exchanged a glance, stared at the water again. I could see the corner of Kathy's lips raising in disgust. She was definitely not going to swim in that. Neither was I going to. I thought our friends would soon offer to climb back up so we could swim upstream instead, but Jenny was already taking off her shirt, and Max was already wearing nothing but his shorts. They were serious about the water, and I had to wonder what kind of nasty-ass pond they swam in, in Oregon, and decided against stopping them. If they wanted to swim, they might as well go. You're not going? Jenny asked, and I was glad I was drinking water, so Kathy replied instead. She told them the water looked nasty as hell and she wasn't going to swim in it, and we both got that weird glance from this morning again. Max's brows furrowed and called us weirdos, and this time I could tell he was serious. From my point of view though, they were the weird ones. I turned around to look at Kathy. We talked about how they hadn't heard a noise and how they apparently couldn't see how nasty that water is when we heard a splash. Both of them were now butt naked in that cauldron of hell that smelled rank and looked infected. Were they mad or were we? They did change attitude real fast between yesterday and today. As much fun as we had the previous night, something must have happened during the night to turn them like this. And then, the waterfall started wailing again. The proximity of the devil's kettle made the sound tenfold louder than the previous night. It reverberated against the rock walls and the very ground trembled beneath our feet. Both of my hands covered my ears, and I remember feeling like my eardrums were going to explode, while I felt an incredible, overwhelming sadness in my guts. Tears rose in my eyes and I stared at Kathy. She was crying as much as I was. Despite how intense the sound of the waterfall's wails were, we couldn't escape the otherworldly screams that escaped both Max's and Jenny's mouths. Their screams went so high in decibels, it felt like they were tearing right into our souls. I managed to turn my head around only to see their face twisted in agony as they tried to swim back to shore. The bottom of the waterfall was tinted red with their blood, and the hands that grasped at the water to try and swim closer was melting. 
I saw patches of skin fall from Jenny's fingers and bones burning away. Ugly, painful bubbles appeared on Max's chest and dripped pus and blood all at once. The slera of his eyes turned red as his lips fell off of his face. The flesh dangling off his chin grotesquely before disappearing into the water. And then I saw his jawbone disintegrate as he sank into the water, and I screamed in unison with Kathy. They never made it back, and the waterfall stopped wailing once the water returned to her normal color. Not that murky brown, toxic-looking sludge we were looking at before the incident. A clear, perfect, paradise-like clean water, like from what I remember in my childhood. Kathy and I thought we would be tried for murder. We were sure this was the end of us. There was no way we could explain what we saw and have anyone believe us. There were probably way too many people who knew about us going on a trip with them for us to pretend like nothing had happened. We went to the police ourselves and we told them everything. It was surprisingly scary how calm the local sheriff looked when we told him the story. And all he said before he released us was, The devil has to eat sometime.